Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 it's lifeline with craig roberts he's the host of northern california's longest running conservative talk show he's a man with a message a conservative with compassion he's lifeline's own craig roberts good afternoon northern california welcome Just about five minutes after the hour, 5 p.m., as we welcome you to another edition of Lifeline. Keeping you company Monday through Friday at this time, as we typically do, addressing issues that impact your life, your world, and your Christian walk. It isn't often you hear about a lawyer who prays his way out of business and clients, but my next guest often has done just that while practicing family law in the South Bay. Seven years ago, we began to transition from standing before the bench to behind the pulpit. Joining me now is the senior pastor of the Home Church of Campbell. With us today is pastor and, shall we say, counselor, Hector Moreno. And Pastor Moreno, welcome. Good to have you with us. Good to see you again. Well, thanks for having me. This is great. I look forward to our conversation. This is an amazing transition for you in that you were always involved in real frontline ministry in your role first as a prosecutor in the South Bay and later on, of course, in a successful family practice that continues to this day, working with people that are dealing with a variety of life challenges. Sometimes they've made wrong decisions that have gotten them into trouble, perhaps issues related to relationships that have caused turmoil within a marriage and ultimately in a family, and those unique opportunities to be able to speak to not just what's going on for these individuals legally, but most importantly, the struggles that they are facing spiritually. In a sense, this kind of grassroots ministry has been part of your DNA for many, many years. Absolutely. I I, um, came to Christ when I was 21 at uh, Santa Clara University, and my intent was to follow my dad's footsteps and be an attorney. But when I came to Christ, I said, hey, I want to be a pastor now. This is what I want to do. And so I was talking to my pastor at the time, Mike Kiley, who was the founding pastor of the home church um, back in, you know, the uh, early uh, 80s. And, um, you know, we just prayed together. And he said, you know, I, I think maybe the Lord's not calling you to be a pastor right now. He made that he may have that for you in the future. So with that, I went on to law school and uh, continued uh, my pursuit of a legal career. And uh, but all the while we were uh, my wife and I just were members of the home church and uh, raised our children there, became an elder at the church. And we have five kids and we raised them at the church. It just became our family. So we were ministering. I was a lay minister for all those years while I was working full time as a deputy DA for about 10 years and then went into private practice. So, yeah, it's ministry happening ever since, uh, but only in the context, you know, outside of church, in the context of the courtroom or or outside the courtroom, but in, in the legal realm. And oftentimes in places where people are at their most desperate 
and they really need answers and solutions. And while certainly our legal system can provide many, uh, it might be able to address disputes regarding division of property with the dissolution of a marriage or who's going to get custody of the kids, who gets custody of the dog, you know, things of that sort. But it's incapable of speaking to the heart issues. And that's what has so much impressed me about your approach to not only law, but ministry all these years. When you and I first met many years ago, in addition to your private practice, you guys were holding clinics at the church and inviting folks once a month to come down that were struggling with a variety of legal issues and providing pro bono advice and insight, which is rare from any attorney these days, but I think particularly important because you've always kept the focus on being able to be ready to minister to people's needs and in particular to zero in on the heart needs, which as we know from a biblical perspective, that's where a lot of our problems tend to start. Absolutely. It's you know, once we uh, once we become followers of Jesus, I mean, we're his followers and his disciples in whatever context we're in. And and um, just remember, as a as a prosecutor uh, prosecuting, you know, child sexual abuse cases and child uh, abuse cases and having to put on young children as witnesses, just going to the Lord and just praying for this young victim who has to go into court and testify and being able to take some time and pray over them and. Um, encourage them, invite the Holy Spirit uh, into that situation, and just really saw how the Lord moved to bring peace in that situation that there was no peace. Um, and uh, just continued throughout my career to, to see uh, these circumstances as circumstances, these life circumstances that people were in, as the best opportunity, really, um, to introduce them to Christ if they don't know Christ, or to just to remind them of His presence and to to invite him and just saw over the years the lord do tremendous things in the lives of people and many came to faith as a result and um so it's just been a blessing and it's just really been i've been always working with the children at the church i started out as a as a sunday school teacher uh before i was married and then continued uh, continued in the children's ministry and became Pastor Hector, but Pastor Hector as a children's minister, essentially a lay minister, but was still practicing law full time, and um, was an elder in the church. But the you know the shepherding um, it happened in in every context, um, and so the uh, you know we just had many opportunities with people's suffering um, through, like you said, a divorce suffering with being victims of domestic violence or child abuse or whatever it is, and to be able to to help them um, find Christ in the midst of that. So, I mentioned in my opening remarks about your transition that began seven years ago, kind of moving from that full-time role before the bench to now behind the pulpit. And, and it sounds like for you, as you describe, Pastor Moreno, your history of, of ministry, not only with families in the legal setting in the courtroom, but certainly at church, that this was not necessarily a, a, a go-to transition, but rather perhaps more accurately put a flow-to transition, meaning God was always kind of leading you and pushing you in that pastoral counseling sort of setting that would seem to me then that this transition to taking the reins of home church, becoming senior pastor seven years ago, 
Almost sounds like a natural progression. Now, some might say attorney, pastor, I don't see the correlation, although in both cases, you're often dealing with people that are incapable of keeping the law and helping to guide them as to how to get on the right pathway. So in many respects, I certainly see the connection. But tell us how that flow to becoming senior pastor came about. Sure. Well, you know, one of the things is that... uh, um, the lawyer seems to be the, you know, modern day version of the tax collector. And, you know, uh, Matthew was uh, called to follow Jesus as a tax collector. And and uh, Peter and others didn't see how that would happen. Um, and at, frankly, you know, early on in my career, I was wondering, how can I serve the Lord um, in the context of the legal profession? And um, but uh, felt that uh initially that i would do that as a as a lay leader in the church involved with the children's ministry helping on a sunday morning we had five kids so we kind of had to um, get you know pay our dues for our children who were in the ministry and then ended up um, being on the board of the of the church and developing close friendships with the pastors um especially our senior pastor mike kiley uh, so just over the years being involved with the church, it became family. That was our family. And um, uh, as Pastor Mike uh, came to retire, um, that there was a transition and we were looking for someone to take his place. And there were some things that happened between the time that he retired and, and me coming on. But but ultimately, um, the elders asked me if I would be willing to step in on an interim basis until we found somebody else. And so um, I don't know if we're still looking, but uh, that's what happened. I said, yes, I'll step in. I still have my practice and I don't know how that's going to work, but um, I feel like right now God's calling me. So I'll say yes. And um, and I'm still there. So um, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Seven years later, that's a long interim period. Of course, I'm dealing with the same thing here. I'm going on 36 years doing this program. I was asked to fill in for two weeks. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 I know how that is. <laughs> it's something I'm struck by. You spoke of, particularly as, as you were raising your own five children, uh, all of whom I understand are into their legal careers or heading toward kind of a basketball team worth, worth of attorneys as it is. But right. you, you spoke of the church and that blending of those relationships really is sort of an extended family. And I'm wondering if you can speak to that as to how vital that is in the life of the average believer, and and particularly in the broader context. And I've always noted that home church began literally as a home church when uh, Mike and Tricia were gathering for just a small, humble Bible study in their home, and it kind of grew from that. And while they eventually moved into a renovated shopping center, and, and built a quote-unquote official sanctuary, that sense of it still being home, that smaller, rich relationship where you don't go and hide, but rather there's that iron sharpening iron sort of spiritual growth taking place. How critically is that, do you think, to, to not only the success of any church, but more importantly, to the spiritual growth of individual believers? It is absolutely essential. And the church, just so others know, I mean, my background, I grew up as a Catholic, but wasn't really involved in the church except on Sunday morning. And that's how I saw church. You just go to church on Sunday and that was it. 
when when I became a Christian, a follower of Christ, um, and and we joined at that time it was a Calvary Chapel, and then it became the home church. But when we joined that church, it's the only church as a believer that my wife and I have ever known, and this has truly been our family. It's been our family that has walked with us when we were first married, and then when we began having children, and it was. Um, a mutual love relationship where we loved one another and helped each other. And um, so it was, it's just been a natural progression that this is family as just like a biological family um, in some ways, even more uh, connected to one another. And um, so when we, when, when COVID hit and we were forced for a few weeks to just close our doors, it was really unsustainable. It was like this, how, how can we be apart from those people that we love and love us? We need to be together. So we ended up having services out in the parking lot and having just outdoor services because we needed to be together. And then, um, you know, so it's just been a tremendous, I, I can't even say tremendous. It's been absolutely essential to our spiritual growth, our spiritual health, and um, to be together and connected Um with other other members of the church family members really is what we call them if you've just joined us on today's program we're visiting with hector moreno senior pastor of the home church in campbell a brief time out back to more of our conversation right after this and now back to lifeline with craig roberts Welcome back. We're visiting today with Pastor Hector Moreno, Senior Pastor of the Home Church of Campbell. Pastor Moreno, let's pick things up where we left off just a moment ago. You refer to the impact of COVID, and, and certainly a home church is not unique in that churches all across the country had to deal with sudden uh, mandates handed down by authorities saying, that's it, uh, you got to close the doors, we're trying to figure this thing out. A lot of churches were able to pivot to technology, live streaming, things of that sort, which in the short term and as kind of a band-aid approach to continuing to meet spiritual needs on a weekly basis, I guess under the circumstances worked. But it's never any substitute. And and maybe one of the things that we need to be mindful in a day and an age when we are surrounded by all kinds of technology, up to and including the technology we're using at this very moment, radio, live streaming, podcasting, as a way of disseminating the message and getting out beyond the four walls of the church, those can all be very useful tools. They can be very valid tools for the dissemination of the gospel. But do you think they can never be a substitute for that in-person ministry? And I, and I ask that question because at the core, when we talk about kind of what it really is the, the center heartbeat of Christianity, certainly forgiveness of sin and reconciliation to the Father is at the core message of the gospel. And Christ paying the penalty for each and every one of us all towards, though, the goal of God desiring relationship with his creation. It's not just that he wants to forgive us and he wants to graft us into the family, but he also wants to walk in fellowship with us. And so then that notion of the importance of relationship on the the vertical plane between mankind and God, particularly important, but we can't leave out also that importance of along the horizontal plane as we exhort one another, encourage one another, correct one another, and be there 
for one another through the good times and the bad and the trials of life. And I think sometimes if you isolate yourself and think, well, I can I can sit and watch Pastor Sunday morning. I don't have to get dressed and shaved at eight o'clock on a Sunday and we can still enjoy the service and the worship. It's the same. But is it really? No, it's not. It's like, you know, basically saying, uh, well, I'm a baseball player. I just don't have a team. I mean, it's like, well, then you're not a baseball player. I mean, you may play baseball, but the, the it's a team sport. And that's exactly what the church is. It's We're called to love one another as Christ has loved us. We're called to be in relationship with each other. And it's through that relationship with one another, that intimate relationship where we are helping and serving and caring for one another, that the, the Christ is made known to the world. And without it, we are not the church as he intended it to be. And so I would say I understand that there are those that feel like they can't leave their home for whatever reason. And in the rare case where somebody absolutely cannot leave, um, then, you know, we do the best we can. But but for the most part, I would say 99.9% of the cases that it is absolutely not a substitute. It is not church. We have to be together. We have to worship together. We're two or more gathered in Christ's name. There he is in the midst of them. I mean, our philosophy at church is Sunday morning is an experience that you cannot experience by yourself. Absolutely not. You have to be present. And when we're all present together, worshiping the God of this universe by the power of the Holy Spirit, there is tremendous connection that happens between us individually with the Lord, but together with each other and ministry that happens that cannot happen any other way. And I feel sorry for those who are still at home when they're online, they're watching what's happening in the service, but they're not participating. They're not, they're not connecting. And, um, and so many of them have said, well, we just got to go. We see what's happening on the church, you know, on the screen and we've got to be there next Sunday because we're just not connecting. So, and to expand upon your, your baseball analogy, anybody can buy a pair of tickets and go see the Giants play. You'll be at the game, but you can't argue that you're in the game. You're not in the game. Being in the game is on the field. Being in the game is being fully participatory and the give and take amongst all the players and the teamwork that's involved. Not only getting the strikes to get the other team off from the, the, the batting position, but most importantly, knocking out the home runs. And that really takes teamwork. And so Christianity never designed with the thought of being spectator in mind, though certainly, sadly, oftentimes we market it that way. We give the notion that we're trying to put on entertainment, bright lights, great singers, big stages, performances, things of this sort that I think sometimes um, confuses people into thinking that, well, I'm just going to sit there and watch the show as opposed to being a part of of the body. And you don't see any references in scripture, at least not my version of the Bible, that talks about coming to watch the show. It does talk about the individual parts of the body and that we should not forsake the gathering of ourselves and the importance of, as I said before, that iron sharpening iron kind of experience that doesn't happen when you spectate. It only happens when you participate. Yeah, absolutely. I, Pastor Mike, and Trisha, when they founded the church, I mean, Pastor uh, always told us that he had this vision of the church. And the reason why he liked the name Home Church was because he had a picture of a young boy that was uh, kind of out uh, on, on, a, on a winter morning or winter evening where there's snow on the ground, walking in the woods, and there's his house. 
and the young boy walks up to the house and he's looking in through the window and there's tremendous warmth and light and coming from within the house and the young boy looks into the window and sees everybody connecting and laughing and having a great time and he can watch from the outside but it's not nearly the same and that this young boy was then ultimately invited into the be part of the family and enjoy uh, what was happening within the home mm-hmm. and that's kind of the vision he had for home church and so the emblem for the church initially was that it was a picture of a house with light streaming from the window that's exactly what it is and that's what we try to be is just to have be family be intimate with one another and everyone is welcome no matter what they look like no matter what who you know where they come from they are absolutely 100% welcome and uh, at the end of the day we hope and pray that if they don't know Jesus they'll come to know him but uh, along the way they're still welcome and so it's uh, it's been a beautiful experience for me and my family. And I mean, I said something one time and it was uh, I don't know if it was the right thing to have said. But as as we were transitioning and we were looking for someone to take the, the reign of senior pastor, I just I remember talking to my wife and saying, now this church is going to die over my dead body. I am not going to allow it to happen. And, and it it was a moment, really, I think, of weakness, I, um, because it was a, a lack of faith when I said that. And I felt like the Lord gently rebuked me, because it was over his dead body already, and his resurrected body that the church was born. So I have nothing to do with it. And he was quick to remind but, you who built it. <laughs> no right. doubt. Exactly. No doubt. I love the imagery. You know, we, we think, particularly during the holiday season, the cold weather, and coming in from the outside, um, the hearth burning Christmas tree, perhaps decorations during the holidays, family there, uh, that sense of welcoming and that sense of belonging, that sense of safety. And a house doesn't become a home until the elements of love are all poured in. And uh, so many of us, after a long day at work or out traveling, whatever it might be, we always say, I can't wait to get to my house. No, I can't wait to go home. And That's I think right. That imagery of home as part of, of the central theme of what the church provides, I think, is a wonderful one that had Thomas Kincaid lingered, God rest his soul. What a wonderful image that he could have painted in that very description you just shared. I want to pivot Pastor Moreno to another topic and just kind of for a moment draw off of your many years of experience um, in in the the judicial system and specifically as you look at what's going on around you today in places like the San Francisco Bay Area that arguably this is taking place all across the country. We see increase in violent crime the age range of the perpetrators seems to be getting younger and younger i mean you're hearing about 15 year olds carjacking home invasion robberies and the the number of robberies of of stores on the uptick as you kind of step back and look at this from a judicial system viewpoint but through the lens of a pastor what does it tell you in terms of where our culture and society is today and what, in your estimation, is the, the answer? And I know that's, that's a very unfair question to ask, but there I asked it. Well, the answer, the answer is Jesus. The answer is the church. And I think the church is the only hope for the world and, um, and the local church, the hope for the local community. And, and, and what I see and I recognize as a prosecutor how 
the, the judicial system may feel overwhelmed and then make decisions that they're not going to prosecute certain crimes and and you end up with businesses like in San Francisco that are closing because there's these um you know these violent robberies that happen that are not being prosecuted and then when the prosecution doesn't happen it just continues to get worse but but um but what i see and what what i believe the lord has really called us as a church to right now he's the holy spirit has made it absolutely 100 percent clear to us that this what we're seeing in our world right now is um it's more than a natural problem it's a supernatural problem it's a spiritual battle that that that's happening and kind of what like what we see happening in israel right now i mean it's that's the kind of battle that is actually happening in the spiritual realm and that the devil is is not kind and he he does prowl around like a roaring lion and he's taken many many captive and um our families are uh, as, as i see it as a family law lawyer that they're just broken and and they're falling apart and that's the foundation of this nation and so you end up with you know, people and kids um, that don't have fathers or don't have mothers or their parents are divorced and they fall through the cracks and they don't know that they're loved and now they're online and they're only connecting um you know they, there's no real connections i mean you can just see how the adversary takes that and just continues to hold them captive and then i believe that the answer really is that the church begin to fight back that the church say no no you're not going to have our kids and you're not going to keep them hostage that we're going to battle you and we have basically a nuclear weapon in our soul and that's the holy spirit that's the that's what God has given us as a church, and we're going to fight back, and we have to fight on our knees. We have to do spiritual warfare, and then we also have to, um, we don't just have to travail, but we have to assail, basically. And as we assail the gates of hell for the release of those that are held captives, we already know the, the end result, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. And so the church I think the church has failed and we have to now step up and step out and and fight in the in the way that God has called us to fight with love being the primary weapon that we have. I just believe the church has to do more. If you've just joined us on today's program, we're visiting with Hector Moreno, senior pastor of the Home Church in Campbell. A brief time out back to more of our conversation right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. We're visiting today with Pastor Hector Moreno, Senior Pastor of the Home Church of Campbell. Pastor Moreno, let's pick things up where we left off just a moment ago. And as we look all around us, I mean, it's certainly easy to be overwhelmed by the darkness. I think any any person that has a Judeo-Christian ethic or, or mooring uh, about them can look at what's happening, as I described earlier, and be overwhelmed by the darkness. But the flip side of that coin, of course, from the spiritual perspective, from the church perspective, is to be underwhelmed by the light. Absolutely. Meaning that the the solution to things, and we've all I've, I've used this analogy a million times, and we've all had this experience. You go out for the evening with the wife, you come home after dinner. It's winter time. It's dark. You open the front door. What do you say? Gee, it's awfully dark in here. No, you say we need to turn on a light. Quick, turn on the light. 
And as you turn on the light, it dispels the darkness. And the solution, therefore, to this sense of being overwhelmed by the darkness is the need for the church to turn on the light. Even that wonderful example in Scripture of not putting our lights under the bushel basket, but rather up high on that candle stand to be seen by all. And I think the notion of the church getting more engaged, being involved in mentoring programs, being involved in evangelism in multiple layers, whether it be lifestyle and reaching the people that you contact and 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 engage with every week to door to door witnessing to taking a stand for righteousness to kind of planting that stake in the ground so to speak and being salt and light that's going to be i believe the key not let's find the right politician the right political party those answers if they were ever answers at all are fleeting and none of them get to the heart of the problem, which you alluded to a moment ago, Pastor Moreno, and that is the real heart problem that we're dealing with here. This sin nature is in the heart. So if you change the heart, you dispel the darkness by increasing the light, then I think we can see a turnaround, not only in our communities, but in our families and ultimately in our nation. Absolutely. And it happens one soul at a time, one person at a time. And it's it's every one of us in the church saying that we are called to minister. Everyone's a minister and that we're called to minister and to reach and to share with those that um, don't know Christ. And exactly just sharing the same love that saved me, the same love that, I mean, my situation came when I, you know, I have a family of, of, of eight sisters and three brothers and and my parents struggled in their relationship for years, and I was often just lonely and, and sad. And it wasn't uh, until I met Jesus that I realized, my goodness, there's a, a God that loves me and um, has died for me. And my life changed forever, and the future and trajectory of my family changed forever. And that's what we're offering to the world. That's what Jesus is offering. And that is the hope. And there's great hope. Great, great hope. Um, I, we, you know, one of the things that that we enjoy is our coffee shop. We have a coffee shop called the Living Room, and we started that coffee shop about four years ago, and it's right there on our campus, and it's open to the public. And it is right now. I mean, it is the best coffee shop in Campbell, as far as we're concerned, and it is just constantly filled with people from from time it opens till time it closes. And it's an opera. It's a way for us to just connect, just to say, hey, we want to be hospitable. We want to invite you in. There's no strings attached. We're not telling you got to be part of the church. You know, we're just offering great coffee and great baked goods. And and it gives us a chance to connect with the community. Um, and that's really what we're about is just connecting. Meeting people where they are, that notion of going out into the highways and byways and compelling them to come in by whatever means. And if it includes coffee, hey, you know, <laughs> why not? Jesus used to gather them and say, how about some bread and fish? So why not coffee and rolls? Hey, Pastor, for folks that have been eavesdropping on our conversation today and they've been struck by your heart, your description of the life and ministry of the home church and that that true sense of family, as you described it earlier. Give us a bit of a snapshot, if you would. Somebody approached you in town and said, gee, I don't know anything about home church. Tell me all about it. Well, we're a church uh, in the city of Campbell. And a few years back, our church was voted by Campbell. It was by the business, um, the Chamber of Commerce, uh, the Business Association of Campbell, Downtown Business Association, as the business of the year. 
And when we got that award uh, in front of a, a large crowd at a, at a special dinner, they said it's rare that we would actually qualify a church as a business, but we wanted to make sure that the home church was recognized for all that the church has done in our community. And one of the things that we have been known for is that we, it was our pastor's vision from the beginning, that we wouldn't just be unto ourselves, but that we would be, if we're going to be in this community, we're going to love the community well, we're going to serve the community, and they're going to know us, and we're going to know them. And so for the last 40 years, we've been actively involved in every aspect of Campbell and helping um, wherever we can. And as a result, the city has recognized us. And we continue to do that. We continue to be a part, a thriving part of the city of Campbell. So we call ourselves the home church because we believe that um, in that the church is a family and that home is where the family is. Uh, we're inviting everyone to be part of our family. So right now, um, the church has been transitioning for a while, and we feel like we're an old church that is um, is starting over. It's basically a new church that has been around for a long time. And um, we, we see the Lord really moving by bringing in younger families, really feeling connected to our Gen Zs, and really committed to reaching them. And so what, what one of the things that the Lord has done, and I think he convicted us of, is that there was a time when, even though we are a, a charismatic church, there was a time when our Sunday mornings were not so Holy Spirit led and centered. I mean, we, I believe it's always Holy Spirit led when we preach and we worship, but, but now we're at, we're at a place where the Holy Spirit is, is more welcome than he's ever been. And it's, uh, we're asking the Spirit to lead our Sunday mornings and, and to actually, uh, speak on a Sunday morning and to minister to people. And so we have given, uh, as much as we possibly can. Uh, we're trying to give, complete control of our services to the spirit and we see a lot of ministry happening on a sunday morning and people are are being prayed for and people are being healed and people uh, healed physically but also uh, emotionally uh, spiritually so right now we're like a new church um and we're children's ministry is growing we have we're connected with uh, American Heritage Girls and Trail Life, and that's really growing. And we have Pioneer Family Academy, which is a, a two-day-a-week school uh, for homeschoolers that we do. And so there's over 100 or so students that, that come every week to that school. We're a church that is committed to Jesus and committed to the Word, committed to allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us and empower us committed to one another and committed to our community. I love that. And, you know, even as you describe a church with more than a 46-year history ministering in the South Bay, you're building upon that spiritual legacy. And also the notion of, you know, when the church has been around that long, yeah, it can become kind of just the steeple down the street, right? But at the end of the day, impacting the community through people that you meet and having that sense of, of vibrant engagement at multiple layers, that really is one of the most effective ways of, of turning on that light that we talked about earlier. The Home Church, they meet in Campbell at 1711 Winchester Boulevard, and you can get details on the web at thehomechurch.org. That's thehomechurch.org. You can also call the church for details and directions at area code 408 370 what time is service on Sunday, Pastor? 
It's at 9.30 in the morning. Christmas Eve will be at uh, 9.30 and at 4 p.m. Christmas services will be Christmas Eve Sunday, and that'll be at 9.30 a.m. as well as 4.30 p.m. So you've got the option whether you open up gifts in the morning or the afternoon, whatever your family tradition is, there will be a service available to you again Sunday, Christmas Eve, the 24th, 9.30 a.m. or 4 p.m. at the Home Church in Campbell. Our thanks to Senior Pastor Hector Moreno for being with us, Pastor Counselor great delight to get caught up with you again. Thanks so much for your time. Absolutely, Craig. Thanks for having me. God bless you and God bless KFAX. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. As we think about Thanksgiving, undoubtedly your travels to the grocery store, perhaps getting ready for the holidays, you've noticed more homeless people on the streets of just about any community around the San Francisco Bay Area. Estimates are the numbers could be as high as 35,000. And that doesn't even begin to count the families that live on the edge. High cost of inflation, living, housing, making it more and more difficult for families that just don't have enough income. If you've ever wondered, why do people wind up homeless in the first place? Give a listen to this story that I think will help give us a better understanding. I was homeless off and on since the age of 23. And the reason why I choose not to be around my family is because I was abused as a child. They have never supported me in any way. I lived in San Francisco, California. And when I first became homeless, I worked in a peep show. And then I graduated to street prostitution, which I did for 10 years straight. And I have not gone back to that lifestyle since. Currently, right now, I've been going to soup kitchens. I wish for spiritual healing for homeless people because many of the homeless people have been abused or have alcohol addiction problem. And focusing on solving the hour situation alone is not going to be enough. We need some spiritual healing and to change our negative beliefs that we're not good enough or we're unworthy. We are good enough and we are worthy. I wish someone would teach us how to do more for ourselves and empower ourselves. You know the saying, you give a man fish and you feed him for one day. But if you teach him how to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. I appreciate the people who give us free food and clothes, but I wish that they would teach us to empower ourselves. Having to depend on people all the time becomes really disempowering. Can you please teach us how we could do for ourselves? Wow. Pretty good insight from a woman that has been on the streets having escaped an abusive situation at the hands of her own family and the profound realization that giving anybody a hand out can be good for the moment but what they really need what they really want is a hand up and out of poverty unemployment and homelessness your gift today to the bay area rescue mission at thanksgiving helps individuals like we just heard from there, as well as needy families, get a sense that somebody cares. And in many ways, a meal can lead to a conversation that can lead to a life-changing experience. Thanks to a grant challenge, which doubles your giving today, your gift of, for example, $50 can adopt two needy families and provide parents and kids a complete traditional Thanksgiving dinner. In fact, enough food for about 25 meals when you go to 
kfax.com and click on the Bay Area Rescue Mission banner. That's at kfax.com. Just $50, providing a Thanksgiving dinner with all the trimmings. But more than just that, it provides a demonstration of Christ's love without limits and introduces hurting individuals and needy families to the hope of the gospel. Just like Mary, whose life was transformed because somebody like you cared enough to give a gift to make sure her felt needs were met and to go beyond just providing a fish for a day, but to teach her how to fish for a lifetime. Hello, my name is Mary, and I'm a graduate of the Bear Rescue Mission Women's Discipleship Program. And before I came to the Bear Rescue Mission, my life was an everyday struggle. So I struggled in my addiction, dealt with a lot of negative people in my life, which led to an eviction. But since coming to the Bear Rescue Mission, I now have one positive friend in my life that will never leave me nor forsake me and has kept me drug-free for 18 months now. In the future, I believe the Lord is going to remain in my life send me into the workforce and provide me with a clean and safe environment to live in. And my favorite Bible verse is Ephesians 4, 26, 27. Be angry, yet do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on my anger and never give the devil an opportunity. Wow, never give the devil an opportunity. The devil has gotten a stronghold in the lives of many, but we can help break that stronghold as we introduce people to Christ, hurting individuals all over the San Francisco Bay Area. That's the difference your partnership this Thanksgiving makes with the Bay Area Rescue Mission. If you were to give a gift today of, say, $150, that will not only provide meals for four needy families, on average each family getting 25 meals, but feed an additional 50 homeless men, women, and children, just like Mary, or just like Jimmy, who came into the doors of the Bay Area Rescue Mission. Before I came into the Bay Area Rescue Mission, I was broken down, struggling with uh, drug abuse, and I also lost my job, lost my family, and I gave it about a week to think about getting into a recovery program, and that's where I met the Bay Area Rescue Mission, and it's changed my life completely. The chaplains here are wonderful. They love you till you can love yourself and then love you more. It's helped me out greatly. My life has changed from um, being broken to able to love myself again. I have my parents back in my life. I have my four sons back in my life. I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Without the Lord, none of this would have happened. Being reintroduced to the Lord has just made miracles happen upon miracles. And it's all because of the Lord first, but also the Bay Area Rescue Mission. And I see my life going back into my old career as a truck mechanic and also getting out there ministering to other recovering addicts, getting into H&I, that's hospitals and institutions, and sharing my story of what the Lord has done and what the mission has done for me. Where I see my life going is uh, in a positive area, bringing people to Christ and showing them that miracles do happen because I am a miracle. I've always liked Psalms 23 because when you're out there on the streets, you're always walking through the valley of the shadow of death. So as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I share fear, no evil, for the Lord is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. Wow, profound insight. When you're out on the street with no place to rest your head, no place to call home, it is the equivalent to walking through the valley of the shadow of death. 
helping to rescue people out of that valley and put them back on the mountaintop or perhaps on the mountaintop for the first time is at the very core of the mission of the Bay Area Rescue Mission. And so often it begins with something as simple as a warm meal. At Thanksgiving, won't you open your heart and provide the resources to feed not only hurting families that are just one paycheck away from financial ruin to individuals out on the street, walking through that valley of the shadow of death? Let's invite them all up to the mountaintop, shall we? And see true miracles take place. When you give your gift today of $50, thanks to the Grant Challenge, which doubles your gift, that means you'll be able to adopt not one but two needy families and provide parents and kids a complete traditional Thanksgiving dinner and all the trimmings, on average up to 25 meals per family. Today, your tax-deductible gift double-matched, providing so much more than food and shelter, showing yet Christ's love without limits, and most importantly, introducing hurting individuals just like Jimmy, and needy families to the hope of the gospel. Your gift today, online at kfax.com, and look for the Bay Area Rescue Mission banner. That's kfax.com, and click on the Bay Area Rescue Mission banner. Thanks for giving, and thanks for caring this Thanksgiving.